Come on, let's give God all the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To God be all the glory. Spirit of the living God, we ask for your help this morning. If you don't help, nobody can help. So we yield unto you, help us. Help us to fulfill your call on our lives. In the precious name of Jesus. Father, let it be a new beginning all over. In the precious name of Jesus, turn around everything for good for this church. And all the glory we will give unto you. In Jesus' precious name. Hallelujah. Let's put our hands together for the Lord. Hallelujah. We may be seated. Um, we are happy to be here this year again. I have David with me, as you have heard, my beloved son in the ministry. And I want to thank God for Pastor Marion and Pastor Stephanie. I, from the very first time that we spoke, as a matter of fact, when, as we were speaking, and I mentioned it to him, I don't know if you remember, the Holy Ghost told me, this is a relationship to get into. Uh, for whatever reason, I don't know how to make friends. I struggle to start a relationship. That's just the truth. But many people think I am, I am friendly, but it's always a struggle for me. I, because I know every relationship is a commitment. That I have to call to check on you is a commitment. It's work for me. So I struggle to enter into one. But as we were speaking, just as we were speaking, the Holy Ghost spoke to me. And uh, ever since then, we've felt very much at home all the time. I feel very comfortable being at home this morning. Yes. Thank you for having us come. Can we put our hands together for the Lord for them? And uh, Pastor Stephanie, if you have two pastors that the, the both can preach, and one of them is a dynamite in singing, you don't have any problem. As <laughs> 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 Stephanie, we appreciate you. And greetings from my family and from the church in California. We're one body, we're one church. That is truth. Yes. And I thank God for all the leaders. Mark, everybody, the Lord bless you for what you're doing. This morning, I want to do something that I believe the Lord laid in my heart to do. And it will mark a brand new beginning for somebody. And if it is you, please, everything the Holy Ghost will lay in your heart, jump and begin to do it. Life without fulfillment has no meaning. Life without impact has no fulfillment. Without impact, there is no relevance. Is somebody hearing me? Yes. Without impact, you are not relevant. I don't mean you as my brother and sister this morning. You know, I'm speaking. Without impact, your impact being felt, we are irrelevant. And that is not God's plan for our lives. God created all of us as world changers. People that will change our world. Without impact, you cannot be fulfilled. 
And that is why many people live and die without any sense of fulfillment. And I'm going to say something to you with all humility to God. I migrated to the United States 21 years ago. And uh, if Jesus comes today, America will know that I came. Because the gospel has taken me through everywhere. I, I would never have known you, and I'm grateful to God for the call, if not because of the gospel. To travel is a stress for me. Any kind of traveling is a bother. But when it is for the cost of the gospel, the energy becomes natural because it brings a sense of fulfillment. So without impact in life, we are not relevant. And it is sad to say this, not every Christian will be fulfilled in life. That you are born again, you are a believer, you, you meant good, your heart is right. Yes, that's fine, but that's nothing to do with being fulfilled. So many people would even die without knowing what it means to be fulfilled. Without impact, nobody is fulfilled. Because God created us to make impacts. He created everybody. Now, sometimes, most times, people don't know their purpose in life. And because they don't know their purpose, they just think they can live like anybody else. Uh, this is David. He's my... He's more than PA, I should say. He knows me inside out. It makes life easy for me. I can wink like this, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and sometimes I don't need, as we're coming in the car, he talk this in my hand. Why? Because he knows I like this. <laughs> so the room, the key to my rooms is in his hand. I don't have it. If I come out of my room, I'm locked out. <laughs> I can't enter without him. I'm going somewhere. He said something a few years ago. I first met him year 2000 when I came to the United States. He was much younger then. Then ministry took me to Atlanta and all those things. He said something years ago. He said, the mistake he made, he should have followed me since then. So he didn't come around. On 2005, we started the church in California. God asked us to go back. When did he come around finally? Which year, do you know? 2011, he said the mistake he made, he should have followed me since 2000. He should have followed me to Atlanta. Of course, this is now a more matured David, knowing that he's finding fulfillment in what he's doing. Many things may not work well if we don't see him. If it's on the ground, especially when we have events, he takes care of everything. He, can, he knows how to take care of our guests. He knows how to channel the folks. He knows everything. I'm trying to show you something this morning by the help of the Holy Ghost so that your life will find fulfillment from this morning. 
In 2004, I was ministering in the church in Chicago. And the title of the message was The Dignity of Labor. So after that service, there was a one young man there. He was chasing a girl. This young man wasn't born again, but the girl was born again. The girl said, well, I can't say yes to you because you're not born again. So this boy said, okay, I will be born again. <laughs> I will follow you to church. Right? So he came to church, but he didn't mean to be born again. He only lied to get a girl from his own story. Then, here comes, I was ministering on dignity of labor, making impact. He said for the first time in his life, he asked himself after that service, I need to do more with my life. He said he forgot about the girl. He said, I must do something with my life. After that service, he went to the pastor and asked, I want to join this church and I want to serve because I just preach about service. So, but I just said, well, you need to go through our believers class. Are you born again? He said, no. They led him to Christ. He gave his life to Jesus. He started the discipleship class. As he started, he said, I want to serve. Can I join something? They said, well, the church was still young at that time. Young, he joined the ushers. Three years from that day, he became the church administrator. And he was ordained. A year after that day, he won the Young Engineer Award in America. USA Today carried this picture they invited his parents from Africa. And since his life was turned around. Currently, he works for, is it Total or the French oil company in Houston, whichever one is French. Total, I think it's Total. He's a senior, 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 senior management guy. Everything in his personal life changed because he yielded himself to God. That guy will serve like, even when he became the administrator, because he said I was the one that preached when God touched his life, he would be the one to pick me if I visited the church. His life turned around. I'm going somewhere. Without impact, without the church feeling your impact, yes, we're born again, we'll make it to heaven, but it still won't bring fulfillment. Service, impact is an opportunity to design the kind of rewards and the uh, mansion that awaits us in heaven. I say, in my father's house, there are many mansions of many sizes. One bedroom, two bedroom, three bedroom, four bedroom on acres of land. I would like to have my mansion to be on all this property. <laughs> <laughs> all over here. Anytime I come here, I admire this thing. It just makes me feel good. 
because I admire what we don't have in California. <laughs> so, so our service, our impact determines. So, do you think God is going to reward us the same way? Of course not. He's going to reward us based on our impute, our sacrifice, what it costs you to serve God. Don't let us deceive ourselves. Don't say whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. That is the truth. Let's come to terms with reality of scriptures. So you chip in a little, you get a reward. You do just what is enough, you get a reward. You just manage to make your presence felt, you get a reward. But you carry the entire thing on your head. You make sacrifices to make God's house look good, to make things run well. You call out from job, from your work. You take time off. Yes, you lose salary. Now, may I say this to you? The blessing that God can give you, if you walk your entire lifetime and never call off, never be in church, he can't catch up with what God can do in your life. There, there is a family, they moved from uh, California to the East Coast because the husband is a medical student, wanted to attend medical school, but they were very faithful and they remained connected. They remained connected. They were titers. You are going to struggle to believe this story, but it's true. Uh, the wife worked as a caregiver, right? Caregiver makes $10 an hour till two weeks ago. She got an information, she did some courses, and uh, she applied for a job for the first time. From making $10 an hour, which comes to about less than $30,000 a year, now all of a sudden got a job that will pay about $200,000 a year. She cried and cried when she was talking to me. She cried and cried. She said, my pay stop, one pay stop was less, is less than $300. He said, now I will carry a pay stop of $9,000. She cried, cried, cried. I couldn't leave her on the phone. That's how God can transform somebody's life. When you give up your time to be involved to serve God with your heart, then God takes care of your business. Come on. When I came to America, I've told you before, the Lord said to me, I've brought you here to use you to bless my people. Don't do business. Don't look for any secular job. I'll take care of you. And that is absurd. Especially when we come from Africa, we want to work. When we come from Africa, we want to make money. We want to better our life. That is the primary vision and goal of anybody that comes, even from Asia, anybody comes, because this is a blessed nation. And we are grateful to God for giving the world America. So when everybody comes, we want to live the American dream. You want to make money, you want to live a selfish life. You want to be about yourself. You want to better everybody here and back home. That's the primary vision. But I'm not saying it is right, because over many years, I've come to love this nation and I've developed a strong sense of contribution to America. But the Lord said to me, don't walk secularly. Don't worry about your family. I will take care of you. 
I have never applied for a secular job in America in 21 years. I've never earned a dollar doing any secular anything, ever, because God told me. I'm trying to tell you, what is that sacrifice? Right? And I have not lagged anything today by the grace of God. I have not lagged. So I sacrifice the need of my family, uh, the children, and God is taking care of uh, all those things today. The children are doing very well. Those out of college had great jobs. Great jobs. Great life. To God alone behold the glory. More than what I could make them do. Because God took over. He's taking care of them. So I want to talk to you about something that I believe should change the trajectory of your life forever. You are here this morning because God brought you. Some people had the same announcement, they can't come. I'm not indicting them. They have many excuses, many reasons, that's fine. But you are here because the Holy Ghost convicted you. The Holy Ghost made you take this seriously. That is why I know you have a call of God on your life. So we are trying to figure it out this morning. If you are here, now some people came to Jesus and said, what to follow you? He said, don't follow me. I don't know where I'm even staying tonight. Some people say, he, said some, he told some people, he said, come, let, follow me. He said, I can't follow. He said, you have to follow me by force. So the Bible says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. So you are here this morning, you are God's choice. Yes, yes. You are here. You might say, I don't know why I even came. I know. God chose you. <laughs> what brought me here, I can't explain. I didn't mean to come. God manipulated your footsteps and brought you here. Yes. So you have a call of God on your life. Yes. First, I want to define that. People that have God's call don't serve as a congregation. There are difference, there's a difference between a congregation and leaders. You are generation of leaders this morning. Everybody under the sound of my voice this morning, you are here, you are a leader for God. Somebody say, I am a leader. How many of us are going to accept that call of God on our life this morning? You are a leader. Now, if you are a leader, leaders don't serve anyhow. Leaders don't watch other people do it. We leaders do it. Leaders do everything as if knowing that they are minding their father's business. Let's say your biological dad has a gas station. Whether you like it or not, either in elementary school or high school, or college, you're going to put in some hours there. Mm-hmm. And you're going to do it with joy. Mm-hmm. Because it's your father's business. Yes. You don't want anything to go wrong over there. Even if in the end, you are not going to do anything to do with it, but you don't want anything to happen to it. Mm-hmm. So, leaders for God, they carry God's work yeah. on their head. So that you are here this morning is because God chose you as a leader in this local body. 
Now, how do I know that it's a call of God? Because sometimes, because we don't know it's a calling. You see, I don't like the word volunteer. Because volunteer doesn't compel you to commit. Volunteering itself suggests it's optional. Volunteering doesn't give you a sense of duty. I know it's a common language we use. Oh, where are our volunteers? Oh, we have volunteers. And sometimes we get used to all these things. Sometimes we need to be careful of how, how we label things. Because words speak to us. If I'm volunteering, you can come in the morning, oh, I can't make it. I know I said I would, but I can't make it. Because I'm volunteering. But if I know it's a calling, When you are in the army, you can't say you wake up one day, you don't feel like going to work or you don't want to drill. You can't say that. I have a cousin in the U.S. Army. He's a major. He's in uh, uh, Killing, Texas. He, said, he told me, he said they have something in the army where they call battle body. I don't know if anybody has military background here. So when you join the army, you have what they call battle body. So what I mean, battle body, right? So it's like, if it is me and Mark, if Mark mess up, I'm going to suffer the consequences that he will suffer. So I must be watching him that he wasn't doing something dumb. He must be watching me. If he sneak out, whatever consequences of it, we're going to suffer it together. Right. Once you join the army, they call, this is your battle body. So you watch yourself. He said he suffered at the initial stage. First of all, coming from Africa, when they call battle body, he didn't even know what they were saying. In Africa, we call it batu, right? They call him battle body. He didn't know what they were talking about. So he would get punished. He would get do things that this other guy is doing. So that is how serious the commitment to the military is. Do you know that Jesus, the Bible reference serving God as us being in the army? I'm going to show you. The Bible reference our serving service unto God. The Bible, the Bible references it, references it as soldiers. I'm trying to find the right version. Let me read the general version first. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4, it said, no one engages or no one engages in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verses, verses 4, verse 4. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. What am I trying to tell you this morning? Do you know in the military, you can determine your weight. I was in Texas to see my cousin last October. So we went to a restaurant to eat. And it wasn't eating. We bought him food. He was speaking. I said, what happened? You're not eating your food. His wife started laughing. 
I said, what happened? He started laughing. What's going on? In about two weeks, he's going to go check his weight. He must not grow weight above a certain, based on his height. You know BMI? So in the army, if you, you, let's say, when they check your data and you cannot be more than 170 pounds, you cannot. You cannot. So now his weight has exceeded the normal. And in about two weeks, he needed to go in. So he stopped eating. <laughs> U.S. Army, you can find out. He stopped eating. So he started laughing. He now told me who happened, that he's overweight, he's going to go in, and they do this thing maybe every three months or so in the army. So you can't even determine your own weight. Now, the Bible says here in the Amplified, it says, no soldier when in service gets entangled in the enterprises of civilian life. You know what civilian life means? You know, soldiers see everybody not in the military as civilian. That's what they call us, in case you don't know. Everybody not in the army, not in the air force, not in the military is seen as civilian. You know what it means? Indisciplined people. People that live anyhow. You know what makes the difference in the military? Discipline. So the Bible is now saying, no soldier when in service gets entangled in the enterprises of civilian life. His aim is to satisfy and please the one who enlisted them. The word enlist is a military term. So the Bible is saying that you and I, we are enlisted. God enlisted us. That's what I'm trying to help you see this morning. So God recruited you. That means you can't determine where you want to go, like in the army. So just don't, they can't control their life once you sign. Because they are enlisted. The Bible is now telling us in here that you and I, we are enlisted. Okay, what about the brother that sits there that didn't come? Maybe he's not enlisted. Or maybe he's a wall. Absent without leave. What about that sister that I know? What about my friend, my cousin? Maybe your cousin is not enlisted. But you, if you are hearing me this morning, you are enlisted by God. That's what the Bible says. Did you read that scripture? Yeah. Do we all read it? Yes. So we are enlisted. So when you are enlisted, you don't serve anyhow. You don't serve anyhow. You serve with military precision, military mentality. There is no excuse. So to be in the army will cost you something. That's the truth. I'm sure we all know that. Some people won't join the army because they don't. You can live your own life the way you want again. My brother was in a, cousin was in Iraq for one year. He came back. We were living in Georgia at that time. He came back. He saw us in Georgia on his way back because they came in through to the U.S. through Atlanta Airport. He came in. He spent about three days with us, about one week. Now on his way to Texas to settle down. 
while he was with us, he got another command to go to Korea. He went for another one year. So military can determine their life. They have a sense of duty. What am I trying to tell us this morning? Our service must be with a sense of duty. Not voluntary. So you are, we are not volunteers. That's the truth. People may use that terms so that they won't understand. Some people may not agree with what I'm saying, but God doesn't want volunteers. He wants soldiers. God wants soldiers. What does that mean? Soldiers, you will be tired, but you can't quit. You won't feel like it, you can't quit. You know when I sleep, when I come to the East Coast, 8, 9, 10 a.m. Because I'm usually on California time. I won't go to bed until 4 a.m. here. Because that's about 1 a.m. That's around the time I sleep. But if I have meeting 7 a.m. East Coast, I'm going to do it. 6, because... I'm enlisted. Sense of duty is not up to me. I have to do what God wants me to do. So because you are enlisted, there is no excuse good enough not to be at your duty post. And your duty post is whatever God lays in your hand that you are doing for the church. Because everything you do is to advance the cause of the gospel. Now, uh, my, where's Michael? He's out. He picked up this morning now. Now, it's his assignment that was assigned. He's preaching the gospel by doing that because he answers that it will not make sense for Pastor or Pastor Stephanie to be picking us at the airport. It won't make sense because that won't give all of you opportunity to fulfill your own calling. Yeah. There are some things that they can't do. If they do it, you better don't let them do it because they might, it's going to take your calling. God won't call everybody to be on the pulpit. That's why the Bible says all of us will fit as a body. Everybody plays their part. We become a body. There are some things David does that he will do better than me. That is the truth. He will do them better than me. So God knows his gifting. So anything you do in the house of God, I'm going to show you in the scripture very shortly, is a calling. It is not volunteering. You feel like, well, I decided to go there. No, the Holy Ghost push you there. Number one, the problem you are quick to observe could be an indication of your area of calling. The problem you are quick to observe, you can spot it. Everybody else may not see it. For example, now, if there is a debt in here, 10 people may pass through it and don't pick it. Somebody may pass through it several times. I don't pick it. Not because they are dirty or something. It just didn't register to them. But there are some kind of people, one time they see it, they will pick it up. That's an indication that somebody should be in janitorial. You like to drive, 
you enjoy driving, you want to tell pastor anything that has to do with driving, I'll be in charge. The problem you are quick to, to, to spot or your gifting, what you know how to do well, is an indication of your area of calling. And let me show you that from scripture in a minute. In Exodus chapter 7, verse 1, the Bible says, So the Lord said to Moses, you know, God called Moses. He wanted to, he used him to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. We all know that, that God called Moses, right? Now, he now says, so the Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you as God to Pharaoh. And Aaron, your brother, shall be your prophet. God bless this man. And Aaron, your brother, shall be your prophet. Are you following you shall speak all that I command you. And Aaron, your brother, shall tell Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of this land. Now, you and I, we know this story because I know we are great students of the Bible. What was Aaron's job? Interpreter. Is that right? Aaron was like a microphone to Moses because Moses stuttered, right? He was a stammerer. So, because when God, if God said, uh, tell Pharaoh, let my people go, if Moses was going to say it, Moses was going to say, let, 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 my, my, my people go. Does that make sense? So, in order not to delay, God said, take Aaron. Tell Aaron. If you like, take a whole day to tell Aaron. When Aaron will tell Pharaoh, he will say, God said, let my people go. So Aaron's job was like a microphone, amplifier. Right? But I found out from scripture that is a call. In Hebrews chapter 5 from verse 1. Hebrews chapter 5 from verse 1. I'm going to read verses 1, 2, 3, 4. Hebrews 5, 1 to 4. Glory be to God's name. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in the things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray since himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this is required as for the people, so also for himself to offer sacrifices for sin. Verse 4 says, And no man takes this honor of a priest to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. So an interpreter as Aaron was, it was a call of God, it wasn't volunteering. He was enlisted. How many of us getting something this morning? So Aaron was enlisted as Aaron was called. The military, in the natural, they call it enlistment. But in the Bible, we call it a calling. So Aaron was called the same way God called Moses. He only gave them different assignments. 
Pastor Marion and Pastor Stephanie were called to shepherd this church. But the same way God called you to serve in the ministry of helps, to support, to carry, to lift up their hands so that they can spend their time on their non-transferable responsibilities. I'm going to take questions at some point, so because it's good so that we can. So God called you to serve in the ushers, ushering department. He called you to be an intercessor. He called you, because they give oversight, you can serve on your own. I say, I'm serving, I'm praying for church, that's my assignment. But no, you have to ask them, what do I do? Who is the department leader? So God called you to do different things. You see somebody, somebody is helping us to put this on the screen. Is a call of God. Is a call of God. And some people may not know how to do those things. Some people, instead of putting the scripture, they will find, will find their picture on the screen because they will mess it up. Is a call. Aaron was called as an interpreter. You were called to do whatever the Lord is. So I, I'm trying to, by the help of the Holy Ghost, give you a sense of duty so that it can have value, so that it can have impact, so that you can be fulfilled. So Aaron was called by God. And we know there is no higher calling. So God doesn't say in heaven, these are pastors. The pastors are going to live on this side because they are pastors. The ushers are going to live on that side. No. An usher can live in a bigger mansion than a pastor. Somebody in janitorial department can live in a much bigger mansion than a senior pastor. If the pastor doesn't serve with a heart of engagement. No higher calling. So, everybody was called to do something. So, I want to tell you in a nutshell, embrace a sense of duty like a military man or woman. Embrace a sense of duty like a military man or a military woman. When we look at the story of Moses himself, you know, God called him and he picked his assistant, his ministry of help. Glory be to God's name. Are we getting something this morning? Yes. Hallelujah. God called him. And when you look at the story of Moses, you realize that at several times, there were people that were doing separate things. But however, we need to be careful. First, when we don't know we are called, we, can, we may lose our calling. Aaron lost is calling. Have you wondered where was Aaron 
when Joshua took over from Moses, where was Aaron? He lost his calling. You will not lose your calling in Jesus' name. That's a good place to say amen. amen. Somebody say, I will not lose my calling. In the name of Jesus, I will not lose my calling. In the name of Jesus. Let me show you where Aaron lost it. You are not a good soldier. You are not a good um, help in the ministry if you serve by high service. If the time you run around is the time that pastor is in view, that if the pastor is out, you are out. That's being fake. Your loyalty, your commitment is tested when pastor is not even there to see what you are doing. That's when your loyalty will be tested. Let, I, I told you, I said, Moses lost his calling. Sorry, Aaron lost his calling. In Exodus chapter 32, from verse 1. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain of the, from the mountain, the people gathered to, together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us God. Now, Moses went on the mountain. Let me summarize it. To go seek the face of God. And he went to see the face of God. He was there for a long time because he couldn't determine when he would be back. Because he delayed. You know how stubborn the people, the children of Israel are. So the people went to Aaron and said, this Moses, we don't know what is wrong with him. So let make us another God. Let's forget about Moses' God. Let's forget about the one that took us out of Israel. I'm talking about how Aaron lost his calling and your own assignment. Now, let me back up a little bit. We remember that God called Aaron, right? We remember that it was God that mentioned Aaron's name to Moses. Now, so Aaron knew everything firsthand. So Moses delayed on the mountain and said, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, this man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. They told Aaron that. Now, they were now saying derogatory things about Moses in his presence. And he was there. Mike Mudok was in our church a few years ago. We hosted him a couple of times. So one, one of the times he said something. He said, one of his assistants came and said, Sir, I saw this person and he said he ran you down for two hours. He was saying nasty things, bad things about you. Is a bad man. For two hours, he kept talking and had nothing good to say about you. My mother said, I said, you know what? You are my first devil. That you could withstand 
Somebody saying bad, bad of me for two hours, yeah. you are the first one I should run away from. You should not be in an environment where they are not welcome. Where they are not appreciated. They said to Aaron, as for this Moses, we don't know what has become of them. They are prophet that God sent to them. And Aaron was there listening to them. Now he goes on to say, and Aaron said to them, break off the golden earrings which, you, which are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. Wow. He said it. Wow. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and he, Aaron, fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Then they said, this is our God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. So Aaron made for them a foolish God. Are you hearing me? Isn't this insane? That is not going to be you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, when these people begin to do all this nonsense, who should be telling them, are you crazy? Right. Is something wrong with you? Yeah. You want to go back to Egypt because the boss is out of town? Good. The God of Moses remains our God. Yeah. Don't let me hear that nonsense from you again. Yeah. That was supposed to be his position. Yeah. But he told them, he said, bring all your hearings. Yeah. He fashioned it into a calf. He said, this is your God that brought out of it. So he, he, he derailed them. He misdirected them. Aaron was called to assist Moses. You, your responsibility is to make sure the church, the body, those that are not in leadership are focusing, pointing towards the vision of the church. Nobody should be confused about the vision of the church when you are there. Nobody should be derailed under your watch. That's what happened to Aaron. He, he fashioned it to them. Now, let's see what happened in Exodus 32, verse 22 to 25. He said, so Aaron said, so when Moses came back, Moses saw all the nonsense. So Aaron said, do not let the hunger of my Lord become hot. You know the people that they are set on evil. Aaron was now speaking. He threw them under the bus. For they said to me, make us gods that shall go before us. As for this Moses, he was now repeating what he said. And I said to them, whoever has any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me. And I cast it into the fire, and this calf came out. But the Bible says, he fashioned it into a calf. So that is why I said, that's where he lost his calling. He lost his identity. He lost his calling. I guess he thought he was a volunteer. 
Don't ever see yourself as a volunteer again. Somebody may call you a volunteer, but that's not who you are. You are enlisted. Somebody say, I am enlisted. Now, let me ask this. How many of us are volunteers this morning? Any volunteer here? Let's put our hands together for the Lord. The Lord bless you. Hallelujah. How many of us are soldiers? How many of us are enlisted? Don't ever accept that label of a volunteer again. Satan will use it to erode on your commitment. Is suggestive of non-committal. So, Aaron lost his call. He was supposed to defend Moses. He was supposed to put them straight, point them to the right direction. He agreed with them. He hated them out. Many years ago, one young man behaved in Kinalan with my spiritual father. He, he misbehaved. And he came to the U.S. And I got wind about it. So now because he misbehaved there, he was suspended. So he came to America. He lied to people that he's been promoted to go past a big church in the Badon. Meanwhile, he was suspended. And I was quick to hear that information. Because Papa called me to tell me, do I, I didn't know the guy. Papa said, do you, know about, do you know this person? And he told me what happened. And I said, thank you, sir. Now, I now call about him. He, was, he went to Colorado's then. That was when we had this guy was still with us. You know what I'm talking about. He went there, Popovich, when he was still with us. So he went there, he did a baptismal service for them. He used the name that he was promoted, right? He lied. He went to Chicago, the Living Faith Church in Chicago. He was taking pictures on the pulpit, put it on Facebook. So I asked for his number. Somebody gave me his number in America. So I called him, I introduced myself. I said, you are, you are Mr. Pastor as as he said, yes. I said, I heard you went to Colorado Spring. You did this, you did baptism, you told people this true, this lies. I said, but it's not true. You, I said, you took some pictures. I've also seen some of them on Facebook. I said, it's not true. I said, I demand that you take the pictures down now. I said, Papa didn't send me, I sent myself. So he got mad. He said, all kinds of things. He was saying all kinds of things. Then he hung up the phone, he got mad. I called him, he didn't pick. Then about five minutes, he called me back with himself. I said, young man, you want to destroy your life. I demand that you take this picture down. Then I got mad. I said, are you crazy? Something is wrong with you? <laughs> Sorry, maybe I should have said that, but I said it because I was really upset. <laughs> then he went and took the pictures down. It ended there. I never called Papa. I never told him nothing. But this guy told somebody, told somebody, Papa heard about it. Papa just called me and said, I heard you, God, so and so guy, you spoke with him. I said, yes. Yeah. He said, what happened? I told him, I said, what happened to him? He says, I didn't tell him. I said, are you crazy? <laughs> so, <laughs> so he said, is that all? So I didn't know whether he's had everything. I said, Daddy, I got mad. And I told him he's crazy. He said, is that what you said? Then he started laughing. 
I did it in his defense. I didn't know he would ever hear it. If you say anything negative about my spiritual father, I'm done with you. That was the opportunity that Heron had. Have you wondered why God has to go and look for Moses? So for Joshua to take over. Do you know Joshua was not part of the original immediate council of Moses? Joshua was a personal assistant, was a domestic staff of Moses. It wasn't in the council, but he served domestically that God made him the next prophet. <laughs> he was known as the one that poured water in the hand of Moses. He was a domestic staff, but he became a pastor. He became the prophet of Israel, the leader that took them to the promised land. What an impact. Please develop right now a sense of duty. Right now as I speak, develop, find out what it takes to serve. So how do you know whether you are serving well? You are not serving well if when you are absent, they don't feel your impact. You are not serving well if they don't miss you when you are absent. You are not serving well. That's the truth. That's my own fast or quick definition of impact. If you are absent one week, and the system is not upside down, looking for how to replace you, somebody to step in, if it is not a problem, you're not making an impact. And the more impact you have, the more humble you become. Let me talk about, a little bit about Aaron. Aaron, first of all, didn't understand who he was serving. First, you are, you are serving God, the Almighty God. Number two, the pastor gave oversight. You are serving in submission to them. You can never do anything. Anything you do out of their dictates and command, you, have, you are derailing. That's what happened to Aaron. He forgot about Moses. He fashioned nonsense for them. And he began to say nonsense and he was there. You are a generation of leaders. The Bible says you shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and your water. He will take sickness away from the midst of thee. None shall be barren in the land. Nothing shall cast your young. There is a level of service that when God begins to deal with you in blessing, you yourself will be afraid. Nobody can demote the person God is promoting. No force on earth or in hell. I said at the beginning, I said, for God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will reap. Let me ask us this question. 
the way we are serving, our commitment to God, can he move God? The kinds of things we pray for, can our commitment to God provoke God to do it? Before you figure out the answer, God doesn't want to be number two on anybody's programming. He doesn't want to be a backup. So what moves God is when you sacrifice yourself, your own personal schedules, because you need to attend to God's schedule. That's how God is moved. I've shared this story with you before. When my first two children were born, I wasn't there. I didn't see the delivery. Not that I was looking forward to it because it was scary, you know. We're grow I was growing up, don't know whether I want to see a woman in labor. So... <laughs> So it was a little bit scary. At the same time, it won't be a bad idea to see one, even if just to see briefly. I didn't see the first, my first child, I didn't see the second one. I had the first opportunity to see the third. But my wife went into labor on a Sunday morning. And I wasn't pastoring our church now. I was serving like you are serving. Dominion Life hadn't started. Dominion Life started 2005. This was, my third child was born 2000 on Christmas Day. If you look at the calendar, on the 24th is Sunday. Christmas Day was Monday, year 2000. She went to labor Sunday morning, like 5 a.m. My first prayer was that for the baby to come before service. Now, the congregation at that time, David was there. We were about 11 people plus children. So it wasn't a large congregation. It was like a fellowship. Do you know that I could not imagine not going? Because if I didn't go for service, all of them won't come. You know, those are the years in the Bay Area we beg people to come to church. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know what I did? I took my wife to the hospital. Boom. I had the two older kids in the car. I said, I'm going to go to church. I'll see you and the baby when I get back. And she was crying. No, her cries wasn't much of a problem for me because women will cry over anything. <laughs> women, will you pardon me? Rebecca, will you give me snacks when I need? <laughs> so now, but the most sacrifice I was paying that day was I won't get to see the delivery. I got in the car. I took the two older kids. Let's go to church. All of us, 11 people. Plus, my, now we're going to be 10 because my wife won't be there. I left her at that hospital in the labor room to go because about seven other people, nobody would preach to them if I didn't go. 
As I drove out of the hospital, there was a McDonald's next to the hospital. I drove in there. I bought McGredos for the kids. As I got on the road to to church, the Holy Ghost said to me, as you have accepted responsibility for my work, I will accept responsibility for your life. You have carried me on your head. I will carry you on my back. You will never be stranded. The Holy Ghost said to me, everything that, you, you, that is a need, before you say it, I will do it. On the 24th of December, year 2000, I'm telling you about my own definition, our own definition, based on what Papa has taught us for sacrifice, for dedication. As I was going, I was thinking, and I didn't, we didn't know we were going to have a first child. So I felt like, so finally in my life, I would never get to see a delivery. I will never be able to see one. And I went to church. When I got there, when the people saw me, they didn't see my wife because they knew she was due. They said, where is she? I started smiling. They told me to go back. They said, you mean you left her in the hospital? You are a wicked man. <laughs> because of what? Because of us? You're a wicked man. I said, let's old service. We had service. Guess what happened? After service, I got there, the baby hadn't come. The baby didn't come until the next day. And guess what actually happened? I didn't see it. I went home to go and bring something. Before I came back, the baby came. <laughs> the baby didn't come that day. Then on the next day, Monday, on Christmas Day, now is now a long process. We live about... 10 minutes away. Let me quickly go home and get something. Before I came back, I met the baby. So, it might have been a test. And I didn't get to say delivery until we had my son, the fourth one. So, I was there. And I was praying, God, don't let this one come on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> don't let them come on service day. Now, midway service was on Thursday. It came on a Wednesday. I was praying, God, don't let him come on Sunday. Don't let him come on Thursday. If he comes on Thursday, let it be in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> but he came on Wednesday. So I'm trying to tell you, I don't know how better to convey enlistment to you. And I'm grateful to God for empowering me to... to to pick going to preach to seven people over witnessing. Now, if I was there, I'm, I, I wasn't a doctor. If I was there to deliver the baby, is it not God that will take care of the baby for me? That guy is a junior now in the university in Chicago. I even asked her to come here. She came about two weeks ago. I said, I'm going to be with Pastor Marion. Do you want to come? I can buy a ticket for you. We are connecting Chicago anyway. You just join us in Chicago. You go back to school on Sunday. He said, Dad, I will think about it. She didn't get back to me. Me too, I left it. <laughs> so she said, oh, on Friday, I'm not sure of my schedule. I need to check. I said, you check it and get back to me. She didn't get back to me. That's fine. So, but what I'm trying to tell you is this. 
What can you sacrifice for God? What can you walk away from? What can you leave behind? I'm sorry. Let me say something in here. Allow your spouse to serve God, whether you're a man or a woman. Allow your spouse. I thank God for emotional security that we get in spouses, but it's not more secure than the security from God. Allow your spouse. When it comes to God, don't be the God of your spouse. So that the blessing of God can continue to increase. What can you? I was telling some, I was saying it yesterday, right? When I, you know, God told me don't walk secularly. So I can't go, I can't, America, He said, just preach, I'll take care of you. I'll bless you, I'll bless whoever blesses you and stuff like that. Now, my wife then was making about 60,000, 70,000 as a quality control something with Coca Cola in San Leandro, California, not far from church. You know where it is on Wicks Boulevard. Then, God told me to go and pastor a church in Atlanta, and they offered me $800 monthly salary, uh, $9,006 annual salary, $9,006 annually. God said, go. Do you know we left? I told my wife, I said, this is what God said. My wife resigned. We moved to Atlanta with three children on $800 a month. Why? Because we are enlisted. When soldiers are sent to Iraq or Afghanistan, they don't say, how much is going to be my allowance? Because they are enlisted. They don't say, if I go, how much will the US government pay me? Because they are enlisted. We left, now, not just that, we just bought a home. We spent eight months in that house when we moved to Georgia. When we're going, people say, oh, we got a kind of loan. If you don't live in the house for two years, Something, something will happen. I didn't understand all this credit system that time. So, someone said, you bought a house, you just go. You bought a house, you will just go. You bought a house, you just live like that. Because God said something. Ah, you have to think very well. I told my wife, I said, our success is not tied to this house. This is not the last house they are building in America. If we fail, if we don't go, we will fail. If we fail, these people, we won't have them again. Yeah. But if we go and succeed, we will still have them. We left that house. Do you know that all the furnitures we just bought to that house, we brought them out and asked neighbors to pick whatever they like? Because when you look at the cost of moving them to Georgia and the cost of buying another one, it didn't make sense. We left the house. We left everything. But to the glory of God, 
That house is a fraction. It's not compared to what God is with the house we live right now. Not close. Not in any way. But we left it because we are, we are enlisted. My children likes for me to be the one to take them to school when they are going to college. I, I, drove, I drive them to school every, every day too when they're in high school, elementary. So when they're going to college, I must be the one. The first three are girls. I must be the one. I will offer them money, let mommy take you. They say, no. I say, let mommy take you, I'll give you double money. They say, no. They say, no. And every year when they're going back, not just the first time, when they're going back at the beginning of every year, they likes, I, th I guess they like seeing me stressed. They like seeing me carrying fridge, carrying boxes. <laughs> One time I went to my second daughter's school. Oh, hi, Dad, how are you? Thank you for coming. Can you help us carry some boxes? I started carrying cases of soda, chips, because she was a leader in the Christian fellowship. Dad, we needed to take this one here. I started putting it in my stock. I said, I, said, I was all myself. I said, I don't do all this stuff. I, they like me do all this stuff. Now, listen. When she, that same girl, when she was going to get in for the first day of resumption, first year, she's now a graduate now, her appointment to pick up her keys was on a Sunday morning. So I said, now that it's on Sunday morning, you know I can't leave church. So maybe mommy will take you or... He said, oh, Dad, I know you wouldn't leave church. I already sent in an application to change me from Sunday morning to Sunday evening or Monday. And it, it, it was Southern California. It's one hour's flight, right? He said, I already sent. I said, I've already replied. He said, no. He said, I said, you already sent. He said, yes, I know you won't leave church on Sunday. That's what she said to me. <laughs> and I said, you can leave it. Let mommy take you. I will double your allowance. I will come Sunday evening. Right after service, I will get in the plane. I will come. You and mommy should go. Mommy can spend the entire weekend with you. Friday to Monday, that's fine. She said, no. She said, dad, they're going to approve it. That same Saturday, later in the night, she got an email. The uh, appointment to pick up her uh, dumps, key, and other things was 5.30 p.m. or something. From the airport, from the church, we're there to the airport, kept the appointment. So they knew is God first. Please, I don't want to say two things that are too hard for to you. Don't let family members, don't let your children take the place of God in your life. Let them know your priorities. She already put in an application to change it because she knew I wouldn't leave church. Okay, what will I tell God? Is it not God that gave me the child? I say, God, I can't be at my duty post because of the child that you gave me needs an appointment. Before I take questions, a few years ago, we were in Orlando, Florida for family vacation. And when we booked the appointment, when we booked the vacation, we were unconscious that it was on the third week. And I did it, but I forgot. 
The third Saturday of every month, like this Saturday, I put it off this weekend because I'm here, is our workers' retreat. This thing we are doing, I do it every month. Because consistency is the secret of power. So, we were in Orlando when we realized that workers' retreat will be Saturday. Now, his workers' retreat is not Sunday service. Guess what happened? I spent 4800 to change everybody's flight to move back, to go back Friday night. Because I can't miss it. What will I be doing? I'll be on roller coaster in Orlando when I'm supposed to be teaching in leadership in California for God. No. I'll be jumping around uh, rides in Disney World. No, because I am enlisted. Let me take some questions. Anybody with some questions, be free. You have questions, be free. Let's talk about it. You want me to shed light on some areas? Anybody free? Now, if you don't ask questions, we're not going to live here. <laughs> so that's where the challenge is. Because I'm going to call you and tell you to ask me a question. <laughs> so we have questions. Let, let's be free. Let us be free. Anybody with a question in here? Yes, please. You're my favorite. Thanks. So, um, sorry. So I had what I felt was a calling, and I enrolled in school full-time to go to school full-time. I'm not hearing you well, please. Can you speak? Okay. So can you hear me better now? Yes. Okay. So I enrolled in school full-time because I felt like it was my calling to get a degree um, in family and marriage counseling. And so I enrolled in college, and I, you know, sacrificed for that. And then it didn't work out for me to go back. Um, because it didn't work out? Well, yeah, like I couldn't afford to go back. So I didn't go back this term. So does God change your calling sometimes too? Well, you may have missed it. If the Bible said the gift and the calling of God is without repentance, when whatever God calls you to do is what He calls you to do for life, it will never change. Okay. So sometimes we can make a mistake. Okay. When God calls you, He will give you opportunity, He will make the provision. So it may be what you like. It may be what you are good at. I said what you are good at is an indication. It doesn't mean it's all the time. Okay. For example, I, I would have loved to sing, like what she does, but I don't know how to sing. <laughs> so if I now say singing is my calling, I would have been making a mockery of myself. <laughs> so, so you may have missed something. Okay. Yes. Okay. So what is very easy, go back to God and pray. Okay. Holy Spirit, I need your help. Don't do it without the Holy Spirit. Okay. Thank yes. you. You're welcome. Um, you had said that the problem you are quick to observe is usually your calling or your gifting. What if you have, like, lots of them? If you have how do what? You, how do you prioritize? If you have what, please? Okay. I'm sorry. I had the first part. So what's the second part of your question? 
So what if you have lots or more than one of right. those things that you are really quick to observe? How do you know which area you are supposed to actually, do you have to prioritize? Because you can't do everything. Like Now, nobody should try to do everything. But what you can now do is that you can ask the pastor, I can do four things. I can do three things. Which area would you want me to? Pastor will now look at based on needs. Does that make sense? Yeah. Based on the need of the church. For example, if you can sing, you can sing, you can be in the dance group, you can be an intercessor, but, and there's many people doing those things, but you can do some other thing that the church is lacking enough manpower. Pastor can say, thank you very much. I will need you to be in this department. Yes, is that clear? Yes, sir. Yes. Um, Pastor Isaac, I have two questions. So the first one, so when you're waiting on a breakthrough and you're in need of a miracle, what is a key um, towards that breakthrough? So would it be prayer? Would it be praise? Would it be, what is the best posi- like posture of our heart, basically? When you... First, faith is very, very important. Mm-hmm. But the Bible says, for you have need of endurance. Let me explain that endurance in that scripture to you. Endurance then doesn't mean you are waiting for a long time and you are doing anything you like. Mm-hmm. Endurance based on that scripture means you are doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Look at the story of uh, Abraham. The Bible says, why Abraham was waiting he was, in Romans chapter 4, he was giving God praises. So if you are waiting, you are enduring, but you are complaining. That doesn't qualify for scriptural endurance. If you are waiting and you are doubting, you have to say anyone that doubts, let don't matter, suppose you will receive anything from the Lord. So during the time of waiting, you have prayed and you have sensed you have picked a sense in the signal that God has answered you. Mm-hmm. Begin to expect, be, begin to give God praise. Make sure you don't complain. Make sure you are not agitated. Satan. Yes. Satan will throw doubt at you. Mm-hmm. So you have to know this is Satan doing this. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then when a man or woman of God does not impart their mantle into someone else, what happens to their mantle? Well, the man or the woman of God cannot really determine who they give the mantle to. Mm-hmm. God will make that determination. Mm-hmm. So, if you ask me now, I'm going to live a very, very long life. Mm-hmm. Maybe like 120. <laughs> and uh, at 100, when you see me, I'm going to be like now. Now, I'm just 54 now, mm-hmm. but I'm going to be like this for the next 50 years. Mm-hmm. If Jesus tarries, right now, I have no succession plan. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know who God would, would hand it over to. So the man doesn't determine the man to, mm-hmm. unless he wants to do something out of the will of God. Mm-hmm. God will position who we take the man to. 
Now, God will now look at whoever is going to be very faithful will not derail the assignment. Somebody that has picked their heart of the pastor, the woman of God. Somebody that has, uh, that will. You know what I'm saying? What if the mantle is not passed? So what if the man or woman of God, if they die, but they have not passed on their mantle? Like, for instance, Elisha. Like, like Elisha. Or like, who did Elisha pass it mm-hmm. But you know, there was no time that Israel lacked a prophet. Mm-hmm. There was no a direct transfer that we saw Elijah to Elisha, but God raised another prophet immediately after Elisha. Mm-hmm. Israel never lacked the prophet. Mm-hmm. You may not see the ceremonial transfer like we saw Elijah to Elisha, mm-hmm. but Israel never lacked a prophet. Right. Yes. God will always raise somebody. Right. Yes. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Can you tell me why the church is stuck in the old covenant? We hear about Aaron. He wasn't spirit-filled. We're told about David. He wasn't spirit-filled. We're told about Peter denying Christ. He wasn't spirit-filled. But 50 days later, he stood before the Sanhedrin speaking with power about living Christ. We seem to be, we get to the day of Pentecost and we forget about the new the new covenant. Well, um, the first name you mentioned was Aaron. Aaron derailed many people. God will give. There are many people that God called that will never fulfill their call. Not because God didn't want them to. They refused the call. But, and when somebody refuses the call of God, they may never make impact in their life on anything else. So that was the story of Aaron. Moses made mistake of anger. His testers were just not perfect. We continue to work. Now, David made mistakes, but you know, we also make mistakes in our judgment and assessment of people because we think God thinks the way we think. David is one of the most celebrated personality of the Bible. Tomorrow. The Bible says the one after God's heart. Yeah. I know when we judge him, we judge him based on Beersheba. That's what we always do. But there is no sin too grievous, too big that God can forgive. And when God forgives you, it's like it didn't happen. So we saw David did that, which is why people judge him. I admonish every Christian to move away from that. Because God is not saying what we are saying. The moment he derailed and he repented, most, uh, David never lost a battle. The city of David is still being celebrated till t- tomorrow in Israel. So, uh, then we can't say he wasn't spirit-filled because he wrote most of the Psalms. Not all of them, but most of it. He dedicated his time to God. He will fellowship with God ten times a day. Seven days to give praise, to worship, three times to pray. So now, talking about Peter, this tells us, that's where we're going this weekend by the help of the Holy Ghost. 
Now, let us all pray towards tomorrow's service for the move of the Holy Spirit. Because I'm going to be ministering on the Holy Spirit tomorrow. So, and I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking through you, sir, by going in this direction. That tells us the importance of the Holy Spirit. Peter that denied Jesus to a small girl, he now faced the council and began to defend Jesus when the Holy Ghost enters his life. So the Holy Spirit is our most needed companion in our walk with God.